The film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths, in particular Sally Hardesty and her invalid brother Franklin. It is all the more tragic in that they were young. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. I am the eater of wolves and of children. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Welcome to another super scary edition of the greatest October in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. This is episode number 162, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's right. See, we do have a few big ups this season, this October fest that we usually do. Finishing strong, 45th anniversary, 1974. The movie came out in October came out like October 11th, so we're a little late, but 45th anniversary of one of the greatest, scariest, most influential, and most important yeah. horror movies of all time. I have to say, man, just watching this, I was like falling in love again. Toby Hooper, I think, if remembered for nothing else, uh, just doing this movie and Poltergeist for me uh, puts him on, on a level that most directors aren't at, even if like the entire filmography may not always be there. Just too movies for me that I hold in a high regard. Well, I'm going to actually give a little bit of a spoiler. One of my recommendations at the end of the episode is going to be a Toby Hooper movie. Okay, there you go. Yeah, we talked about Poltergeist shortly after Toby Hooper passed away, which was actually just kind of a coincidence because we had been planning to do Poltergeist. Toby Hooper dies. Yes. We still did it anyway. Right. It was kind of awkward because we addressed the whole, like, who really directed it. <laughs> True. That whole thing, which... I think that's a part of In all of it, fairness, though. it's kind of a shame for Toby Hooper just because obviously Steven Spielberg is such a m- much bigger name and people associate Poltergeist with that same Spielberg look and feel. Which, which is I apparent. Do think, it's there. Yeah, yeah, I think he did bring that to it, although I think the more horrifying elements you could probably credit to 
Hooper. It seems like a collaborative effort. Don't really want to go down the whole poltergeist sure. road right yeah. now. But let's be real. Steven Spielberg could never have directed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, that's true. It um, endures as oh, this yeah. timeless, horrifying classic. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, when I was watching it this time around, I thought, like, two things. One, this is right up there for me with, like, the original Halloween as far as, like, low-budget, like, sort of more independent horror movies sure. go. And where they rank for me on my all-time movie list, I mean, Halloween, the first one, is one of my favorite movies of all time. And certainly Texas Chainsaw Massacre is somewhere on the list, right? I don't know where exactly it falls. Yeah, I mean, this movie is certainly not as fun to rewatch sure. as the original Halloween. But this movie was an influence on Halloween, and it was an Absolutely. influence on Alien. And it was an influence on a million other movies, yeah, whether yeah. it be Rob Zombie or right. Wes Craven or whoever. Yeah, the association I have with Halloween is I just I view it as like sort of a the lower budget independent style. Yeah. And it was and, a few years later, so it's similar yeah. looking and aesthetic and But the second thought I have was is this the best crossover of Grindhouse slash mainstream appeal? The best product of something like that? Probably in the horror realm, I would say, yeah. based on what they made it for, which was highly unknown and debated. I mean, some people say like 60000 It seems like it was more closer to 140000 But it went okay. on to gross $30.9 million. Wow. Huge success. In addition to being directed by Toby Hooper, it was written by Hooper and Kim Henkel, who was also a man just like the Kim wow. from the okay. X-Files episode. <laughs> Two men Male named Kims. Kim. Now, I wanted to address the title here really quick. Per the film's opening credits and also the title under which the film is registered with the U.S. Copyright Office, it is the Texas Chain New Word Saw Massacre. So Chainsaw is two words, which none of the other Texas Chainsaw movies split Chainsaw into two words. And even on a lot of the posters and stuff, it's written as one word. Yeah, I think for the title... That you're going to see for this episode, I'm going to split it in two because that's what's in the opening credits. Okay, that works I kind of like that. It's, I'm good with it's it. It's a little unique and different from all the other what's weird, Texas Chainsaw movies. Toby Hooper actually direct the, the first sequel as well? Yes. With Dennis Hopper? But in that one, it's Chainsaw it's One, one word. word. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I think Chainsaw is one word. And right. They probably just didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> so they yeah. made it two right. words. I don't know. But it's... One of those weird, unique things that just stands out, you know, kind of like spelling bastards wrong and inglorious bastards or whatever. I can get behind it. And I think, I haven't made up my mind yet, but I'm thinking of leaving the year off of the title of the episode. Okay. For those of you who don't notice, I put the year only when there might be some confusion as to which version it is. Usually I don't put the year unless I feel like there's multiple versions of it or whatever. Yeah. They did do the remake with Jessica Biel, yeah. which is called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, although chainsaw is one word. Okay, so it's a different movie. I don't know. Should I put 1974 in parentheses? I think, yeah, I guess maybe I should. Uh, let's do it. Let's just There's get a lot of, of Texas Chainsaw yeah. movies. Especially for like some of the listeners of this show, I feel like the Jessica Biel one might be what comes to mind first. Sure, and that's probably... I think the second one is, is funny and interesting and is much more of like a weird comedy Sure. And it, it has value. So I would say, yeah, go ahead and watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, the one with Dennis Hopper. But then 3 is not really that good. And the uh, next generation yeah. with McConaughey and Zellweger, <laughs> I've never seen it. Dude, it's an insane movie. Someday I might pick that for the show. 
Well, there is a Scream Factory Blu-ray of it. Dude, it's been a while. I mean, listen, it's terrible, but that's one of those movies that I watched at a younger age, and I was like, this is, like, so weird and different. Like, it's such a bizarre movie. Matthew McConaughey has, like, a biomechanical leg or something in oh, it. God. It's so weird. I don't know if I want to see it. It's crazy. So then, I might get the Blu-ray. In 2003, they reboot it under Michael Bay's company with Jessica Biel. It's actually pretty decent. Okay. It's... A yeah. pretty slick version of this movie. It loses some of that raw. True. I think it starts off really like good. Like I think like the whole thing with the girl hitchhiking and it feels kind of like they're in the van. A lot mm-hmm. of the characters look kind of similar to sure this original one. I, I think I do think there's a lot of good parts that pay homage to the original in a strong way. Yeah, and then they did a prequel which was not that good. Sure. And then they did Texas Chainsaw 3D, which has Alexander Daddario in it. Okay. And it's fucking terrible. It's one yeah. of the worst movies I've ever seen. It was so bad. I and then they say... did Leatherface, which was straight to VOD, which is kind of ridiculous because the third Texas Chainsaw was called Leatherface. I mean, at this point, I think we can ra- call it a wrap on Leatherface and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You're I don't good. think there needs to be any more. Yeah. Isn't it the Jessica Biel Texas Chainsaw Massacre where the trailer had that? This Mortal Coil song? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite trailers of all time. There was, we go. Was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot. I feel reboot. like, yeah, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that. <laughs> Follow the show on Twitter, Accuratus Pod. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean. This is yeah, the greatest October. We only have one more left. It's a big one, but. It's going to come out on Halloween, and then we're going to take a break. Yeah. We mentioned it at the end of the previous episode, but we'll talk about it here up front. The first couple of weeks of November, there won't be anything, and then we will come back. Last year, I think we took almost the entire month off. This probably won't be that long. A couple weeks. Okay, we'll see. Yeah. So everyone get ready for that. I do enjoy breaks. (laughs) Sure. I think the listeners are going to enjoy it, too. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) They're like, enough already. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes people need time to get caught up, too. So I consider... And I'm not alone, obviously, but I would say that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of the most important and influential films ever made, and its impact, especially in horror, is immeasurable. It's a true game-changer, which is a, a word that people use okay, yeah. pretty loosely now, and they throw around all the time, but this really is. Absolutely. It's the first movie, I mean, it predates... All of the most well-known slasher films. The only other horror movie that probably comes close in terms of influence is Psycho, which probably is more influential. This is probably like the second most influential horror movie ever made. Yeah, and I mean, the aesthetic appeal to this movie, again, like through the roof for me. Yeah, it's raw reality feel. It's a precursor to Blair Witch. I mean, it's not like they ever marketed this as a straight-up documentary, like a snuff film or anything, but it had that feel to it. It was shot almost documentary-like. Absolutely, and I will say, like, the camera work for almost a Grindhouse-style horror movie was really, I thought, off the charts, too. I mean, there's some really unique shots in it. They're really kind of moving the camera around a lot. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of artistry, which, of course, separates it from most of the schlock (laughs) that would be surrounding this and why it elevated beyond just the underground world of the the drive-ins and all that stuff and you know in addition to that reality feel it has an iconic 
killer with a mask, a power Absolutely. tool as a weapon. These are all things that would be replicated countless times over the next couple of decades. And the other thing that is interesting is the violence, which, I, I mean, I guess we can talk about, I mean, I'll, I'll get more in depth in that later, but it just was such a in-your-face style that it just was so shocking to audiences in 1974. And it's really hard to explain I think how that would feel because I mean I wasn't even born yet obviously as hard as that is to believe yeah as old as I am to put yourself into that mindset where nobody has really seen movies like this in a movie theater oh, yeah and you go out on a Friday night with a date and you're seeing something like this it's just so mind-blowing true but I just love all the filming locations of this just the overall look of it is sort of harrowing all the settings and yeah. places that they're going to sort of in a way that like the first psycho the Bates hotel the house that norman lives in behind it just has like a really creepy look to it mm -hmm. i feel like that's similar here like all of the places that they're going to just look scary yeah the main house was an early 1900s farmhouse near round rock texas i think another key ingredient here is the use of unknown local actors which of course was done by necessity. I mean, sure. you really didn't have a choice, but because these aren't familiar faces and you're just thrown into their world, it is similar to things that people would experience in 99 with Blair Witch or different things like that, where it just feels very real. And I guess you could call it good luck, but they stumble on Marilyn Burns. They stumble on to Marilyn Burns, who has one of the great all time horror screams oh and she yeah. just does it basically for half the movie right uh rest in peace Marilyn. she passed away a couple of years ago but yeah and she was friends with gunner hansen the guy that plays leatherface and convinces him to do it he really wasn't that interested in it oh wow and of course it's great that they got like this big hulking looking madman type sure, guy yeah to be leatherface it's interesting because as i mentioned texas chainsaw massacre 2 feels more like a horror comedy. Yeah, it's strange. Dennis Hopper's in it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely going for a different feel than this, I think. Absolutely, I would say but so too. But Hooper has said that Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is more what he was intending the whole time. Oh, wow. And it just kind of, again, we've talked about this with plenty of other classic movies on this podcast. You just kind of stumble into something unintentionally and you yeah. end up there. And they ended up with one of the most shocking, scary movies that people had ever seen. Absolutely. In a decade full of them, you know, with The Exorcist and Halloween, and horror was just really revving up. Now, you know, maybe 80s and 90s didn't necessarily live up to that promise of the True. 70s in yeah. terms of classics, but it was just a different time. I think part of it probably plays into the unstable political climate, which this movie kind of is a comment on, and okay. the changing social climate as well going from the hippies to the death of the hippies with the uh, charles yes. manson stuff and then going into like the vietnam era now you're in the middle of the 70s people are losing that peace love and hope that they felt from the 60s and it's a lot more bleak by 74 when well, they filmed true. this in 73 this is what came out of it a huge influence and a huge inspiration for texas chainsaw massacre is the I don't even know what you would call him, but, you know, American freak, Ed Gein. Yes. 
who was also of, the influence for Psycho, right. The Silence of the Lambs, even Blood Harvest, which we talked about this month. <laughs> yeah. Ed Gein is always kind of an influence on those things, which is weird because Ed Gein only ever really killed, I think, two women. Not okay, that that makes yeah. him a great guy, but compared to like the heavy hitter serial killers, True. two is not a lot. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. When you see all these movies and you find out that what actually inspired it and you want to like dig into that like source material, it's not there's not nearly as much content to it as Well, the reason Ed <laughs> gets referenced a lot is because he was so fucking weird. Well, that's true. Now, the I stuff mean, he I did, did think... with his mother's corpse. Yes, he did the dig grave up the bodies, robbing right? and yeah, he also so, made yeah. furniture yes, and okay, stuff out right. of the bodies and the lampshades hey, okay, out of so skin and all that stuff. Up. Yeah. yeah. That's where all of this came from. And True. Texas Chainsaw definitely uses some of that idea. But yeah, I mean, it's just kind of one of those weird things. I think because it happened in the 1950s in Wisconsin. Yes. In a time and a place where people were just like, whoa. Holy shit. What? Yeah. It was so like, unlike would not anything. Even be anything that would cross people's minds as like a possibility. Yeah. And it just really captured a lot of people's imaginations yeah. of just a whole door had been opened of like, oh, wow. I can <laughs> just remember being a kid and like not even knowing what the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was, but being so afraid of the idea of it. Well, yeah, I mean, a big part of the movie's success and, and its reputation was built upon it being marketed as a true story, sure. which of course yeah. it's not. Right. The only part that has any basis in truth is some of the stuff they oh, took yeah. from Ed Gein, which I mean, the, isn't anything like this, really. Definitely, like, the intro narration, explanation, you know, voiceover thing is iconic. It's great. I can remember playing in bands and, like, we'd fuck around just, like, playing random intros from things before we'd, like, play a song. <laughs> and, like, we would do this. That, that old Texas Chainsaw Massacre intro was fucking great. The film follows a group of friends who fall victim to a family of cannibals while on their way to visit an old homestead. The film was marketed as being based on true events to attract a wider audience and to act as a subtle commentary on the era's political climate. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm not going to spend a ton of time going into because I really am not even sure that I buy that. But that sounds like something you say after the fact. Yeah, true. Although the character of Leatherface and minor story details were inspired by the crimes of murderer Ed Gein, its plot is largely fictional. When it was shown back in 1974, there were walkouts. It was banned in a lot of countries. The funniest part is, and I don't know how true this is either, but evidently Hooper was gunning for a PG rating. Wow. (laughs) Because he was thinking, well, most of the violence isn't actually shown on camera, which is true when you go back. There really is not as much blood as you would think well, in this true, movie. But the content is dark. Yeah, I know. I mean, I it's mean, insane. Yeah. He had to trim it to get an R because oh, he was yeah. going to get an X. And <laughs> he thought he was going to get a PG. I know. That's crazy. After the movie had come out and after people had seen it and there were lots of discussion about it, that's when the narrative becomes like, well, there's some commentary on Vietnam and Watergate and the unstable political climate. And the whole idea of having that John Larroquette intro where he talks about it being based on true events and all this stuff is a play on how the news would show this horrible violence in Vietnam and all these terrible news stories that were going on in the 70s, which I think was probably more to do with the news being willing to talk about these events on TV rather than all of a sudden these events were happening. I'm sure fucked up shit had been going on oh, yeah. forever but i don't know if i buy really this movie's connection with that other than something we'll get into maybe 
in a few minutes, but I do think that there is a way to view this movie as kind of this depiction of the wrong side of the American dream. Something we've talked about a little bit, like in American Beauty or well, something. True. But like even in a blood harvest where we see a crashing <laughs> agriculture market. Well, yeah, it is very similar to what I think you could kind of view into this movie a little bit. I mean, obviously, this is an extreme sure. example to prove a point, but nevertheless. Yeah, and I mean, uh, this movie was controversial for a million reasons, including uh, its depiction of violence against women because the men get killed very quickly. And the most gruesome death is the girl on the hook. Oh, yeah. And then the other girl is basically psychologically and physically tortured for 30 minutes, even though she ends up escaping. Well, even I don't really buy any of that either. I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, there's just differences oh, yeah. in how people view things. And it's just more interesting to have a final girl. That's why all the horror movies do it. If it was a guy at the end, people yeah. would be less scared people would not care as you know much it wouldn't be as interesting what feels unique to me about this one though is like how it feels like all of the other characters die in such a small window and then she's alive for like so much longer after yeah. that our experience with the final girl is like half the movie yeah the movie comes in at under an hour and a half so altogether, it's not like super long but sure. yeah i mean a big chunk of it is her just running around and screaming right <laughs> jumping out a million windows yeah you could also view this as a very pro vegetarianism movie absolutely it seems to be making a lot of anti-meat industry well yeah i mean declarations the, all throughout like, it the depictions of like the cattle just yeah. being killed i mean it, it's definitely unsettling and i mean it's certainly I, I feel like i mean it made me have like a harsh reaction to like how these animals are treated. And I'm just probably like, going to go stop for a couple of cheeseburgers oh, as soon as we're done yeah. recording this. <laughs> I know, but like certainly while you're watching it, it's like, Jesus. Yeah. Well, one of the main things when they were filming this movie was just the heat, which they talk about in the movie, and also the stink, which they also talk about, although they're talking about the yeah. slaughterhouse. The stink really came from just the actors themselves because... Sweating? They couldn't wash some of this stuff. Okay. Like, I think... Leatherface's shirt was dyed a certain way so they couldn't wash it so he basically just had to wear it the entire summer Ugh. in this like 100 degree heat and I mean he's a big sweaty guy oh yeah and just I a lot relate. of that stuff and even the guy that plays grandpa is a young man wearing a ton of makeup wow yeah I and mean he, that once makeup, he, yeah. he sat in that makeup chair he said well this is the only time I'm doing this so he basically stayed in that makeup for 36 straight hours while they Holy filmed everything cow. with grandpa and yeah. that was like torture in the heat. Sure. I no mean, air conditioning anywhere. I, I would say it's apparent that Grandpa's face is not real. Yeah. So John Larroquette narrates the opening. He was hired. He was basically an unknown actor. He would go on to be known from like Night Court and the John Larroquette show. Wow. He was just a guy hanging around in L.A. when Toby Hooper was in like post-production on this movie. Toby Hooper wanted him to do an Orson Welles imitation, which Larroquette said he could do. And if you've ever seen this movie, you know that it doesn't sound anything like Orson Welles. Okay. Later, Larry Kett would say that he was given a marijuana joint as payment. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but it seems pretty appropriate for the time. Yeah. <laughs> so the movie, I guess, primarily takes place on August 18th, 1973. Starts with a black screen with audio of what sounds like graves being dug up. Again, that harkens back to the Ed Gein stuff. Sure, and they do. T they they reference that a couple times in the movie. 
the graves being dug yeah. up and like what's going on with these bodies. After that, we have a now iconic, ominous sounds of flashbulb photography, which reveal various shots of decomposing corpses. I know they brought back that same sound in the 2003 remake, okay. that like flash wine sound. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. know how to describe it, but I always associate it with this movie primarily. Finally, daylight, and it's a real horror show in a graveyard. Yes. A radio news bulletin alerts us to the grave robbing and explains what we're seeing. It's a grisly work of art, which honestly I'm sure was probably a phrase used to describe this movie itself. Sure. <laughs> a grisly work of really art. Not really my first thought if I saw these bodies dug up. A work of art. Well, I think the key element here is not whether or not it's art, but the intentionality of it. It's sure. not random okay. at all. Right. It's specifically posed in a way where somebody took some amount of time to think this out. Fox Mulder shows up. This was definitely aliens. <laughs> it wasn't just something done willy-nilly. Like It was True. like specifically designed in a way. It's a badly decomposed body holding like a head of another body, it seems like. Oh, right wired to a giant Ugh. monument in the cemetery and it's posed in a very specific way evidently there's a dozen or so empty crypts apparently no caretaker at this cemetery i mean this is probably out in the middle of nowhere sure i don't think there's somebody there at night i mean that just doesn't seem likely okay i did like that in the radio bulletin they point out that the sheriff had said something like that they found evidence linking the crime to elements outside of the state <laughs> it's always like that idea of othering something sure. it's just like it's the mexicans or it's people from another state <laughs> right. like the horror of thinking that you're living around somebody that would do something like this is too much so they have to like try to push it off right onto somebody else as fast as we they have can. reason to believe yeah it's such a striking visual though i mean it's a powerful fucked up beginning to a movie I mean, it's just so gross. Oh, it's like I agree. dripping, yeah. and you know the heat and the smell is probably just unbearable. Just so grotesque. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say, I mean, you do pick up on the fact that everything is, like, sweaty and smelly. I do love the later reveal in the movie of the truth regarding the grave robbing. In other words, when we finally, like, meet all of our villains and stuff, it's yeah. mostly regarded as something annoying. <laughs> that like they're mad about for the most like you fucking idiot yeah, yeah. why are you doing this i yes. told you not to do that like it's not some big important thing it's more just like why A the fuck would you do this the rest of the family yeah <laughs> but this is the inciting incident of the movie because we meet sally and her brother franklin and plus three of their friends who are now riding down to this particular cemetery in order to learn whether or not sally and franklin's grandfather's grave has been desecrated yeah I have like, a fun idea for a road trip. Yeah, let's go check on Grandpa's grave. Yeah. Yeah, the radio guy was saying, like, oh, people are coming down to find out. And so this particular group of young people, that's what they're up to. Sure. We get an early pit stop for Franklin to take a piss into a coffee mug or a coffee jar. Definitely coffee a whole production tin. to get Franklin out of the van. Well, let's talk about how hateable Franklin is. Yeah, he does stink, which you do feel uncomfortable saying that because... Yeah, but it's a, a, it's a thing. It's yes. a thing with this. Everyone knows it. Everyone okay, talks good. about it. It's out in the open. I mean, yes, he is an invalid as described in the opening. I don't know if that's even really a word people use that often, but I think he's a paraplegic. He's paralyzed from the waist down. Yeah. So he's in a wheelchair, which seems horrible 
1973. I mean, just a terrible way to live. Nothing is wheelchair accessible. It's right. just a super inconvenience. And I mean, obviously, your sympathy would go out to anyone that had to go through something like this. But, you know, for treating everybody like equals, he's just a fucking asshole. Not a friend you'd want to have around. Yeah. <laughs> Some of his complaints are probably justifiable and you oh, can sure. kind of understand why he's upset and annoyed but oh, for he sure. still reacts like a child absolutely <laughs> but if i was franklin i would be like i, I wish you would have just left me at home well he does pretty much say that you know what i mean it's just like that he was I, like I, talked in the going and he was basically brought so that like sally and her friend can like bang their boyfriends although unclear why he needs to be there for i this. know yeah <laughs> there is no reason for it yeah we're not alone. I mean, this is just something I think in every iteration of people talking about this movie, it's just a known yeah. thing that Franklin is super hateable and annoying and hard to deal with. And I think the actor really embraced that vision of the character because I was reading something like Gunnar Hansen, who plays Leatherface, he really did not get along with this guy when they were making the movie, but then later found out that the guy playing Franklin, I, I don't have his name here, he was basically... Yeah. staying in character in between takes and then later he was just like not like this method acting yeah so he was like being this super whiny annoying guy and everyone was just like what the fuck but <laughs> you know later became friends with Gunnar Hansen after oh, the wow. fact because yeah we didn't enough, really act like second this. horror movie we've done with a wheelchair character what was the first Friday the 13th part two. Oh yeah right yeah yeah a little well, bit of a thing when they get to the cemetery here, there's going to be another little connection to that. Okay. In addition to Sally and Franklin, we have Jerry, Kirk, and Pam along for the ride in the van. When they get to the cemetery, there are a lot of people hanging around. Evidently, grave robbing is a big-time social event in these parts. Everyone has to show up and hang out. <laughs> well, there wasn't a lot going on. Sure. Yeah, it seems like they're just out kind of in the middle of nowhere. However, Sally's concerns seem to be given preferential treatment i can only assume this is due to her complete lack of a bra just walking around with these dudes did you notice that that guy's like clearing us oh yeah like hey we gotta this girl's looking for her granddaddy's grave it's like suddenly this is the top priority (laughs) (laughs) yeah she was uh getting some fans around town oh god and in this room my granddaddy's buried here. Can we find out if anything happened to him? What's your granddaddy's name? Honey, that big, heavy feller's a stand with that flashlight in his hand. That's the sheriff. You go tell him your granddaddy's buried in there. Okay. He'll let you in. Thank you. Say, fella, I'm going to run off with the girl a minute. You don't mind, do you? Yeah, Honey, I'll get you the sheriff. Come on. Hey, folks, let us through here. This girl's granddaddy's buried here. Been in there the whole time, unbeknownst. Ah, things. Happen here about, they don't tell about. <laughs> I see things. <laughs> you see, they say it's just an old man talking. You laugh at an old man. <laughs> There's them that laughs and knows better. <laughs> The other connection to Friday the 13th Part 2, I think we talked about it in that commentary. I kind of was joking when I was talking about the drunk warning them because it's such a trope in those type of movies. But we have another one here, and it's very vague, and you could easily miss it. It's that guy just laying there. I don't even know if he's like laying in a giant tire or something, and he's just like, 
I've seen things, and he talks about like an old man who I would assume is maybe the grandpa. grandpa. I don't know, but it's very vague and it's not concrete enough. But he's definitely talking about something fucked up that he's seen. Yeah, people are mostly just not paying attention to. Well, him. you're just like with a guy like this. It seems like he's seen a lot of fucked up things. Yeah, they find out that Granddad hasn't been dug up, so they're on their way. The heat is unbearable, and now after leaving the yeah. cemetery, the smell is also awful thanks to a slaughterhouse nearby. Yes, they're sure. The man said they could tell if the grave had been dug up. Franklin, don't worry. I saw it myself. He didn't look dug up to me. <laughs> What's that? What smell? <coughs> what is that stench? Roll up the window. Hey, that's the old slaughterhouse. That's where Grandpa used to sell his cattle. Hey, we got an uncle that works at one of those places outside of Fort Worth. Hey, you see those buildings there? That's where they kill them. They bash him in the head with a big sledgehammer. Oh, oh that's awful. It usually wouldn't kill him on the first lick. This gives Franklin the opportunity to be extra annoying with all of his slaughterhouse factoids. Ah, uh, yes. Acting like a real know-it-all. Is this where he explains the whole thing of how they kill the cattle? Yeah. And we're reminded of that tool from No Country for Old Men? Sure, yeah. So he's talking about how they used to kill the cattle with the sledgehammers, and they've brought in that air gun that retracts, which Javier Bardem uses in No Country for Old Men. Yeah. So this is kind of what you could take as the commentary on what was going on in America at the time. Some people would see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre as the dark, rotten underbelly of the American dream. Yeah. The world Hooper creates is one of, quote, dying cattle, abandoned gasoline stations, defiled graveyards, crumbling mansions, and a ramshackle farmhouse of psychotic killers, says Christopher Sherritt, a writer, Robin Wood says, quote, victims of industrial capitalism, their jobs as slaughterhouse workers having been rendered obsolete by technological advances. Yeah, weirdly enough, though, I don't feel like Texas has changed too much from this time. <laughs> so I don't these, know what year No Country for Old Men takes place, but it kind of seems like the that same. That was like 80. The same type of stores were still around. Yeah, I just mean like, well, we learn later that Grandpa and Leatherface both worked at the slaughterhouse it seems like they've lost their positions now yes. obviously you know losing your job doesn't necessarily turn you into a cannibal but it could though <laughs> yeah for some there's just this warped version of people that are forgotten and left behind you could yeah, maybe absolutely. even make it compare it to mentally ill people which seems to be the message of joker which is the big movie out right now i do think it's an interesting thing that always happens over the course of time people whose whole livelihoods is based off of something that becomes obsolete yeah and when you factor in the fact that these people are also like fucked up to begin with because it seems like and this isn't all revealed necessarily in this first movie but i think the implication is that there's a lot of inbreeding and all kinds of fucked up shit going on and you marginalize them to the point where they are just not a part of society anymore and then antisocial behavior just grows and grows and festers and Suddenly, they're capturing people to eat. Oh, yeah. And they're just living this insane life that in no way resembles normal society anymore. They're oh, just true. so apart from it. Yep. 
presumably the gang is now on their way to visit the old family homestead. I only say presumably because they haven't actually said that out loud yet. We don't we get that until they end up at the gas station. Yeah, well, I was having a hard time on this viewing, like, figuring out what is their plan. Was going to the homestead always part of the plan? I think so. They were going to okay. head down this way to check on the grave and then go to this old family house that yeah. was from previous generations that I guess... They Sally still and own. Franklin's dad still owns it, right. but nothing's going on. Certainly, with it. there's no upkeep. No. On the way, they pick up a deranged looking hitchhiker. Yeah, Just this feels like a bad move. Different this is times. a guy. I, yeah, I get that hitchhiking was certainly way more of a thing in the 60s and then the 70s, and maybe for a little while longer after that, but I mean. Yeah. Until good. people knew about serial killers. Well, yeah, but I mean, you get a look at this guy, and are you like, I'm going to pick this guy well, up? Well,. Pam is the only one with any sense who's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> he looks crazy. Right. Hitchhiker. Should we pick him up? Oh, yeah, man. Pick him up. He'll asphyxiate out there. What does he look like? Well, the son of a bitch is going to smell just like the slaughterhouse. Oh, give the guy a break. He can sit by Franklin. <laughs> what do you want to do? Oh, he's weird looking. No. But I guess we're supposed to be sympathetic to our main characters because they are picking this guy up because of the intense heat they're like we have to do this because oh, he's, i know he's in rough shape out here by himself we got to help him more social commentary going on here certainly the lesson being like don't be nice to people sure don't be thoughtful i love that shot they do where there's like no sound and 90 percent of it is the sky with the clouds and then like a little tiny sliver along the bottom of the screen is the road and the hitchhiker is just tiny in the corner yeah and the van is like coming along it it's almost like a terrence malick type shot from like badlands i'll tell you what man which was out the year before for the the budget of this movie i think the cinematography is like amazing yeah there's a lot of cool interesting shots for sure well, i think we just picked up track where you headed man south you work at that place oh no how did you get stuck way out here i, I was at the slaughterhouse I got an uncle that works at the slaughterhouse. Hey, my, my brother worked there. My my grandfather too. <laughs> my family's always been in me. Whole family of Dracula's. Hey man, did you go in that slaughter room or whatever they call it? The place where they shoot the cattle in the head with that big air gun thing. Oh, that 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 gun's no good. I was in there once with my uncle. The old way. With a sledge. <laughs> See, that was better. They died better that way. How come? I, I thought the gun was better. Oh, no. No. With the new way people put out a job. You do that? Look. I was the killer. <laughs> hey. Let me see you. They don't send the heads away. You took these, huh? Yeah. Franklin. See, they make head cheese. They, they take the head and they boil it, except for the tongue. And they scrape all the flesh away from the bone. Everything, they don't throw nothing away. They, they use the jowls and the muscles and the, the eyes and the ligaments and everything. And this. For the nose and the gums and all the flesh, and they boil it down into a, a big jelly of fat. Wow, I, I didn't know that's what was in that stuff. It's really good. You like it? 
the unnerving quality of the hitchhiker everything about this guy is just odd yeah he's got he's like scary. he what, almost seems like he has like a charlie manson type personality like energy yeah it's hard to tell like if the thing on his face is like a giant birthmark or blood i mean it seems like it's still there later at the end of the movie but I, that's no guarantee because like when yeah is he i thought washing it was blood, his face but no context of it yeah, this guy's name is Edwin Neal. He was doing all these different things that, like, a paranoid schizophrenic would do. He has, like, a dead tooth or something. Oh, no. I mean, his tooth looked, like, all weird. And he's just acting completely insane. The hitchhiker talks of his brother and grandfather having worked at the slaughterhouse. Franklin just openly refers to him as Dracula. Yeah. And then he says that he comes from a whole family of Dracula. They are making, like, comments right in front of him that I found to be, like, whoa. It like all like of them end up doing it. Here, yeah, yeah, just like this guy seems crazy. Why don't you just stay quiet? Right. But it, then again, it is possible that this hitchhiker's never even heard of Dracula. That seems also likely. But yeah, I wouldn't think that he comes from a family that owns a TV. Right. They have a brief discussion on the pros and cons of the air gun versus the sledge, which the hitchhiker seems to think that the sledge is better, that the animals died better that way. <laughs> yeah. They have some talk about head cheese and what constitutes head cheese and how you make it and all that stuff, which is extremely disgusting and grossing everybody out. Absolutely, including me. I mean, he's pretty much the exact hitchhiker you do not want in your vehicle. I mean, pretty much exactly how you would draw it up. Yeah, and eventually they all come to that same conclusion, and they're like, we got to remove this gentleman from the situation. The hitchhiker takes Franklin's pocket knife right out of his hands. and then Franklin, you dope. How do you let this guy get his hands on a knife? And then he cuts the palm of his own hand with it. Basically anything to impress chicks. <laughs> <laughs> girls are watching him to cut my own hand. All of a sudden, actually, the two girls are like, you know what? This guy's not so bad. Yeah, he seems pretty cool. <laughs> I thought he was nice. They're all clearly terrified now, especially when he hands the knife back to Franklin, but then takes out a straight razor of his own. Because oh, no. then they're like, what the fuck? He has yeah. his own knife. For some reason, this guy has a Polaroid camera, too. So then he takes a picture of Franklin, and then once it's developed, because it takes a little while, because it's like a, yeah. an early Polaroid, which somehow he has, which seems like... It I, feels like it would have been expensive I don't know. Time. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure. That's hard to say. But once the the picture's done, he shows it to Franklin, and he wants Franklin to give him $2 for it. Yeah. 
So then Franklin refuses. So then this guy takes out some tin foil and burns the picture, which freaks everybody out. Right. And then in like the hysteria of that moment, he reaches into his boot and takes the straight razor back out and cuts Franklin's arm. <laughs> I mean, it's it a completely like, insane moment. Yeah, it is a lot. A lot of things transpiring at once. It does feel like. One of the two more studly dudes you would think would have gotten involved quicker. I know one of them's driving, but... Well, they don't have weapons. Yeah. They're hippies. They're pussies. <laughs> so the hitchhiker's kicked out, and as he's like running along the side of the van, he takes his blood and he marks the van as they're driving away. Of course, Franklin's reaction back in the van is annoying and embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it would be scary, and it would probably hurt to some degree but i mean come on dude <laughs> i mean he looks like what he's in maybe 30 years old it's like dude come on i know he's such a baby about it everything it's hard to watch so they end up at this gas station which doesn't have any gas yeah but no. then again as the movie goes on you kind of get the impression that they never have gas right the guy at the gas station tells them the transport won't arrive until later that afternoon or maybe not even until the next morning yeah. So this is just a problem out of time too. Anymore, you've got the app on your phone to like find the next gas station or whatever, but it's just <laughs> like you I mean you have no idea where anything is. Yeah, because they ask where the nearest gas station is. They don't show that, but they're told basically that it's back in Newt, <laughs> which I think was where the cemetery was. That so sounds however like a long town they've come. I would not want to spend any time in. Well, I mean, would you want to spend time here? No. I think this location was actually turned into a barbecue place for real. Oh, wow. How and about that? And you can stay there. There's, like, cabins. It's, like, Ooh. a whole thing that's, like, built around Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But, yeah, they get some barbecue from this guy. Would you ever get barbecue from a gas station? No. Well, I don't know. I think it, there was a time in my life where I didn't even really, like, think about the stuff that I was, like, eating. <laughs> I think you've more had a positive impact on me in that way because like, like meanwhile i eat fast food like every meal i don't know but you are very cautious about you'll say you'll like throw things out there like yeah i wouldn't eat meat from taco bell or something like that. <laughs> like things that i just like wouldn't think of and i'd be like well i think meat from taco bell is a bad example because i have eaten meat from yeah. taco bell but like <laughs> yeah. you'll eat something, something that's been sitting out for two days that should have been refrigerated right. you've done that move yeah, yeah. and i'm like dude <laughs> I know that's what that's I'm basically saying. garbage you're eating at this point. <laughs> yeah, you've taught me like important life lessons. <laughs> like, don't eat right food that should have been refrigerated that's been sitting out for so three days. So I think days. now, like a woke me would be like, I'm not eating barbecue at this gas station. But I think like ten years ago, there was a lot of gas stations that I would have ate the barbecue at. <laughs> oh God! So the proprietor of this gas station seems strange, and he's overly interested in everything they're doing. And he is warning them not to go out to the old homestead. Cause they ask him if he knows where it is. He seems to know where it is, but he's telling them not to go. Never really was clear on why he doesn't want them to go. Yeah. Is he trying to, I, uh, the I motivations of these characters well, sometimes the is hard to figure out. It definitely feels like he's aware of what's lingering out there for them. But at the same time, maybe he just doesn't want them to leave because he doesn't know for sure that they'll, be able to be caught that way and it's yeah. easier just to keep them there until he can get leatherface involved or whatever because it seems like this guy will find out later he doesn't do the killing that's true yeah <laughs> he doesn't like to do the killing would you fill her up please i got no gas you're out of gas 
My tank's empty. Transport won't be here until late this afternoon. Maybe not even until tomorrow morning. Hey, you know where the old Franklin place is? The old Franklin place? Yeah, it's an old two-story rock house and it's sitting up on a hill. I think you have to turn on that road back there, but I'm not real sure. Yeah, yeah maybe i seen something like that up that way. Well, now, look, you, you boys don't want to go mess around no old house. Well, those things is dangerous. You're liable to get hurt. We'll, we'll be careful. You don't want to go fooling around other folks' property. <laughs> Some folks don't like it, and they don't mind showing you. Oh, my father owns it. And that's your daddy's place, huh? Yeah. Uh, look, uh, I got some good barbecue here. Why don't you fellas stick around here a while? The transport will be by in a little while. Them girls now, they they don't want to go messing around no old house. Best you stick around here. Franklin just obsessing over the hitchhiker incident, which is understandable. But I wouldn't be able to let it go. He's doing it in a way, though, which is so <laughs> lame. Well, where, everything he does is annoying. <laughs> where he'll, like, kind of throw out some scarier theories, but then he'll start throwing out things that he wants other people just to agree with yeah. so that he can feel better like we probably won't be able to find us right <laughs> i mean you would think if you were like one of those two dudes you would just sort of wheel franklin around the corner and drive off <laughs> <laughs> well then his sister's gonna be mad yeah, it's gonna be a true. whole thing it might be worth leaving her too well let's have a couple's discussion because yeah kirk and pam okay I can definitely buy this. Pam is super hot, but Kirk is like a good-looking dude. Yeah. It's understandable. But Sally and Jerry, You're what? Not. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening here? Yeah, I mean, I, Sally is like a babe and a half. Right. I mean, she is like unbelievable. Thoughts on Jerry? Not a cool guy at <laughs> all. <laughs> Who really? is this guy? I know. He almost seems as uncool as Franklin. Yeah, certainly not very heroic either. I know, he stinks. I Just a weird couple. I mean, I guess, I don't know. It was is, is it more time. believable in the 70s? Does that They're make just, it more believable? No Tinder, you know, no Match.com. <laughs> it's just like... They're living in a desolate area. Exactly. Not a lot of choices. I mean, that's the thing. It's just like, I'm sure that, like, Jerry was the only guy that went for it, you know? Yeah. That was, like, her age. I'm sure there was, like, creepy old Texans, like, all the time throwing well, things out yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure she would have went for it, though. It was a time where you could go for it. That's true, yeah. But <laughs> I don't Jerry know, Sally is, like, it. off the charts, in my opinion. Just oh, I like Sally. I'm a Sally Unbelievable. Fan. You know who else I like, though? Pam. <laughs> <laughs> I like Pam, too. I like both the girls in this group. I prefer Sally, but, I mean, yeah. Well, I, I like yeah, but I was okay Pam guy, with Pam's match. Yeah. You, spe- I, you certainly spend more time... With Sally. Yeah. But I Pam enjoy... has the iconic booty shorts, which would kind of be replicated, even though Jessica Beale's in jeans, but they have That's that true. same shot, like, from below. Yeah. Like, let's get that butt shot. That's even right. though Jessica Beale is basically playing the Sally character as, like, the final girl. True. But they switch it, and she does the butt shot Yeah, <laughs> in the remake. What do you think about the blood smear on the van? Is it something? Was it a signal to... I have the, no the idea. Guy. I mean, they're all like looking at it, and it's not. They keep shown... bringing it up, right? And it is some weird-looking design, almost. But it seems like how would he have been able to 
really control what he was doing. And what were they, what would they even be marking? I, I'm getting the sense that any living person is a potential victim. So like, what would <laughs> yeah specialize like, like yeah those yeah. four show up and it's right. like well there's no blood on here we're yeah. gonna let them go. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they managed to make it to the old family homestead with the gas that they had already. It's a huge old house, mostly gone back to nature at this point, especially on the outside where there's like trees like growing up like right into yeah. it. I think I'd be like, guys, I don't really feel like staying here. I will say that Sally at one point says that she stayed at this house when she was eight years old. It doesn't look like anyone stayed seems, there for 80 years. Yeah, she seems like she's in her, what, at most 25? Yeah, she wasn't staying there when the she was eight. The only way they, she did is if, like, there in are between full that time, grown trees, like, it just uh, yeah, I know. covering the house. I was I mean, going to say, if this, if this house, like, caught on fire in the time in between when she was eight and now. Well, yeah, the inside, yeah, I agree with you. It's too decrepit. But even on the outside, like, just the way that the trees are, they look like. I don't know. It's been left there for maybe decades and decades. Sally's dad was, like, a weird dude. Yeah, that's possible. The couples go off and explore the deserted, rundown house while Franklin continues to be a miserable fifth wheel on this trip. He really... <laughs> yeah, really not playing it close to the vest at this point either, yeah. Just really just out and out being a pain. Wheeling and around, man, like, hee hee Being loud and obnoxious, trying to bring down everyone else's good time. Although, yeah, they're not even paying attention to him. <laughs> Which I guess is part of the rage that he has. I mean, he gets talked to them going on this trip, and then they're going off into all these places where he literally can't go. And then he just has to sit there and wait. <laughs> Come on, Franklin. It's going to be a fun trip. If I have any more fun today, I don't think I'm going to be able to take it. I'd probably be pretty pissed too. It's just the way that he's handling it is yeah. not. I feel like great. you would have the foresight though to be like, "There's no way I'm going on this trip." Oh yeah, there's just no way. I'd be like, "I don't care about Grandpa's grave." Yeah. So what? <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> okay, let's say it was desecrated. What are you gonna do about it? It's too late now. <laughs> Franklin tells Kirk and Pam about the location of a swimming hole on the property, and they go off to find it. Yeah, which they never make it to the swimming hole, right? Well, no, they do. It's just not there. That That's oh, what they go in. Yeah. It's, like, dried out. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, they go down into that big ditch, which was where the water was at one point. Franklin then finds an arranged pile of animal bones with more bones hanging from the ceiling above it. Clearly, First someone has been there and done this. That you should get the hell out of here? I think we've already had some indications that they shouldn't be hanging around this area, True. but they're just plowing ahead. Yeah. I think even Kirk and Pam, though, referenced, like, at one point, Franklin had been carried down to the hole or something. Because, like, how did Franklin ever get here in his chair or something? So I guess Franklin has had this issue either his whole life or since he was very young. But, again, similarly to when... Sally was talking about staying in that house when she was eight. Now they're talking about Franklin having been here before and knowing the location of the swimming hole. I'm just not really buying that. Yeah. It just seems like this house is way too gone. I agree with that. But who knows? I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe the weather is very hot and I don't know. Maybe things. The dust bowl could have happened in between. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Who knows? 
After Kirk and Pam find that the old swimming hole is all dried up, in the distance they hear a generator motor running and spot an old farmhouse. As they approach it, Pam, once again, as she was when they were faced with the proposition of picking up a hitchhiker, is the voice of reason here, where she's saying, let's not do this, let's leave. Yeah. (laughs) There's weird shit hanging from branches of bushes and trees. There's what is clearly a car graveyard. I mean, granted, these two didn't have the countless number of movies as a reference point at the, in 1973 something that we have uh, resonate with you as being off here yeah this doesn't look right why are there all these cars here they end up knocking on the door there's no oh, answer no. big mistake kirk picks up a human tooth and scares pam away with it and then kirk just enters the house through the unlocked front door yeah not feels like really not a great move the smartest move you could make here i do think that this part is fucking cool though yeah uh, it's unbelievable yeah there's this little rampway that leads up into this other room or hallway or something and there's all these like animal heads mounted on the wall and different animal skulls and stuff a lot of taxidermy material there and he's kind of like walking towards it because i guess he thinks he hears something or something and out of nowhere we get our first appearance of leatherface right just the shocking brutality of this scene and the suddenness of it absolutely There's no build up you're just oh i know no musical cue it's so cool and, and it's just like this like sliding door yeah he comes out he hits kirk on the head with a mallet yeah which of course not a lot of life left in kirk after that is our first reference point to the the cow slaughtering that we had talked about earlier in the van and then kirk is like having some sort of a seizure and then he hits him again and he's pretty much it's dead at that over point. for kirk yeah should have listened to Pam. I've referred to it as the slaughterhouse room in this house. I don't really know how else to describe it because Leatherface then pulls that metal sliding door well, closed. I know. I'm like, what even is this door? Yeah, it's so crazy. It seems like something out of like a slaughterhouse right. or where they had done the work. And it's with so the cool because it just this all happens like so quick, and then he just yeah. like slams the door, and you're like, oh, back to this shot of this empty house. Yeah, like you don't even know what just happened. Right. It's just so very fast and and out of nowhere. This is the first time we see Leatherface. Let's talk about the look, the vibe, the character overall. Big, hulking dude wearing what seems to be a mask made out of other people's skin or faces or whatever. Yeah. Very unique at the time. Definitely an influence on many other masked killers. The long, shaggy hair. Yeah. I think they were doing him as a character with some learning disabilities, I don't really know the PC way of saying that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I think you know what I mean. I think that's good, yeah. I think that's what they were going for. I think in the subsequent movies, when you learn more about the family and all that stuff, which isn't always a great idea to start giving more backstory to these kind of things, but I think the implication is that there's some inbreeding here. It feels... In different up, movies... It feels on the table. I think in some of the movies, it's that they found him, that he's not even really related to them. Okay. I don't really like that idea as much, but whatever. There's all different versions of it. I'm always confused about the relationships between the characters, which I guess kind of plays into the incest vibe of it, where you're like, well, is this person well, this is, multiple things to this other person? That's true, but this is definitely <laughs> something that has carried on through different versions of horror, like the idea of the family. Certainly like Rob Zombie utilized this. 
Oh yeah, well. I mean, like, House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, and then Three from Hell. I mean, that whole concept is yeah. straight out of this. Exactly. But I love it though. It's it's super cool and fun. Yeah. That look of the face on another face is so creepy and weird. Absolutely. And again, it's hard to really put yourself into the mindset of people seeing this movie for the first time back in the 70s. Just like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Kirk's unceremonious, out-of-nowhere murder perfectly sets up the dread as we watch Pam follow him inside the house. So now... Unlike with Kirk, where we weren't really sure what was happening, you didn't really have that dread yet because you hadn't really seen anything. Now, all of a sudden, Pam's going into the house and we're like, oh, fuck, what are you doing? I know. She has no idea what she's walking into because Kirk's death was mostly silent and she had been scared away from the porch by the tooth, so she didn't really know anything had happened. Yeah, although us as viewers, a little on edge now. Yeah, Kirk didn't even have the chance to scream or anything because... The metal sliding door is now closed. Pam goes in a different direction once inside the house, and she ends up in a completely different world of horror. Pretty cool living room. (laughs) Feathers everywhere. Yeah. Animal and human bones everywhere. And then furniture, not 100% made out of human bones, but accentuated by the bones. would be less than a second that this would be in my line of sight before I'm, like, turning around and booking it. (laughs) I don't know, man. It's hard to really... Yeah. I mean, now because of movies, maybe, but like if you had no idea what was happening, I mean, it probably would take like a a little bit to even register, like, what am I looking at? Yeah, that's true. Because it's so foreign. And this, of course, is another allusion to the homemade furniture that Ed Gein would make in his house. Yeah. Leatherface runs in <laughs> as she's trying to flee. Yeah, not a great little chase. for Pam. He grabs her, he pulls her back, and this is, of course, one of the most shocking oh, yeah. moments where he hangs her from a giant just like meat hook. like pales her with that hook hanging from the ceiling. Which doesn't kill her, of course, which is the worst part, so she's Ugh. hanging there alive on a meat hook. Yeah, that just seems like a horrible position to be in. Basically forced to watch the chainsaw slaughter of Kirk, her boyfriend. Yeah. Who I th- believe is probably dead, but still. I think so. Being cut up with the chainsaw now. This yeah. is the first time we see the chainsaw. Definitely uh, insult to injury, I would say. <laughs> Back at the van, Jerry, Sally, and Franklin are waiting for Kirk and Pam as the sun begins to set. So Jerry takes off to look for them. Yeah, yeah. How does this heroic adventure go for Jerry? Not great. Not surprisingly, he ends up making his way to the same farmhouse. Oh, I bet they got lost here. Jerry enters the house. When he hears some noises he believes are his friends. Now, in a movie that has a family of cannibal killers and all this fucked up shit and is crazy and horrible, the things that strain credibility for me are little things like this where I really find it hard to believe that three separate people would enter a house in which they got no response on the inside. I know. Just a complete stranger. Yeah. I'm not even talking about being afraid of it, just being a decent, polite person. Right, exactly. They don't even hesitate. It's kind of like their first instinct to just walk right in. The only one you could kind of excuse is Pam because she saw Kirk go in. That's true. So she knows Kirk must be in there. But the other two dudes just go in there. I mean, that seems crazy. He has no reason to think that his missing friends are actually in this house. Yeah. When you think about where the house was in relation to the quote-unquote swimming hole, 
I, like, he, why would yeah. they be in this house versus anywhere else? He just goes into the house. Right. And I know you're saying, like, forget the fact that it's a creepy looking place, but I, I feel like I can't. Well, yeah, that, of course, is right. an added thing. Yes. I'm just saying, even if you took that away, it's just still crazy. Being yeah. a, a reasonable, it decent it, human being. You, especially by the time Jerry gets there, it's like getting dark out. Yeah. It's you just, know what I mean? It's just like you're going to just waltz into this fucking death house. I think in one of the sequels, it may even be two. That's actually almost addressed where they try to like use the defense of like trespassing and sure. all this stuff. I don't know. I think it's brought up in one of the sequels. Jerry goes into the slaughterhouse room with the dead animals mounted to the walls. No one is around. We see Pam is no longer hanging from the hook. We don't see any trace of Kirk. We don't see Leatherface at the moment. He hears some banging in a freezer. Yeah. And he opens the freezer up to find Pam still alive. Just chilling on ice. Yeah. She bolts up out of the freezer, but before he can even react, Leatherface runs in with the mallet and hits him on the head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then pushes Pam back into the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of funny because we actually get a few moments of Leatherface by himself. Right. Just kind of like nervously pacing around. He's looking out the window. Then he's sitting there. He doesn't really know what to do. There is like a certain some dark comedy to this. Sure. Well, his uncontrollable urges. <laughs> Sally and Franklin are now waiting in the dark. They're beeping the horn of the van. Franklin is just so fucking awful and annoying here. Sure. As a viewer, you're thinking three of these people are basically dead or incapacitated, and somehow Franklin's not one of them. Yeah. He so desperately wants to be in control that he just won't let Sally make any decisions and it's it's really annoying and he's such a baby yeah and then she's like all right i'll go by myself just give me the flashlight he won't even give her the flashlight you just hate him so much yeah what would be a great turn is if she just like rolled him down the hill could i see the flashlight for a minute what for franklin let me see the flashlight i'm gonna go look for him you don't have to go now sally don't go i don't think that's a good idea sally i don't think you ought to go Look, I'm going to honk the horn one more time. Just give me the flashlight. No, no, I'm I'm going to honk the horn, and we're going to wait a minute, and then if they don't come, well, we'll go. All right? Sally, they took the keys. We don't have any keys. They took the keys.
heard something. There's a light. Yeah? Yeah. Oh. It looks like a house. Well, come on, push. No, push. No, push down. I can't see it very well. Oh, Franklin, this is impossible. Come on, Sally. Get back and push down. It's impossible. I hear something out there. Look. Hey, Jay! Sally, I hear something. Stop. Stop. Eventually, both Sally and Franklin take off to look for their missing friends. Sally is really struggling to push Franklin's wheelchair through the wilderness. It doesn't feel like an effective search party. No. I mean, well, but, but what else are they going to do? Leave, they don't even have leave, the keys. I know, but leave Franklin at the house. Well, she is a girl. That's true. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess she's afraid. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Did she not want to bring him? I thought she wanted to, and then, I don't know. They're fighting back and forth. It's kind of hard to even figure out what exactly either of them wants. Either way. Which is believable. I mean, they're kind of oh, panicking, true. I guess. Okay. Yeah. But they don't even make it to the other house. No. Suddenly, out of the darkness... Leatherface emerges, chainsaw blazing, just killing Franklin by jamming the chainsaw into him over and over. Audiences across the globe cheering for this moment. <laughs> to the applause of everyone. This is truly a terrifying moment, though. It's oh, a sure. very effective jump scare in a movie that really hadn't had a traditional jump scare. I would say, like, I guess when Kirk gets killed, it's kind of a jump scare, but it's almost not a traditional one because well, there's no eruption of noise it's just so i feel like abrupt. they lure you in to you're expecting a pattern here you've gotten used to all these yeah waiting to get to the, the house. house so yeah you're not expecting right. it out in the yeah the brush there sally flees towards the house as leatherface chases she's going through like tangles of brush he's <laughs> it's kind of funny like he gets so like distracted by things so then he's like cutting the brush and all that stuff oh with yeah the chainsaw, right. instead of just using his massive body to run through it I guess they had to come up with stuff, though, because the actress playing Sally, Marilyn, she's just not fast. <laughs> and even though he's wearing lifts on his boots and he's still faster than her. And wow. so they have to come up with ways That's to, sad. like, he's not catching her. Well, later, the fucking Runs Edwin Neal guy, 40. the hitchhiker, he's basically catching her the whole time at the end of the movie. And you're like, well, why isn't he just grabbing her? Yeah, I know. That one really jumps out because it's such a long shot, too. It's weird. Yeah. But anyway, it is truly a sight to see when you see this big guy running with the chainsaw. It's pretty iconic looking. Well, we've now like reached the point in the movie where we had five characters and now we're basically down to one. That all seems like it happens in like eight minutes. Well, the movie's only an hour and 23 minutes. Sure. And yeah, I mean, basically half of it is five characters and then the other half is basically just 
Sally, but we haven't really learned the full extent of what's going on with this family in this house yet. True, There's still true. so many reveals. Yeah, that's true. So Sally gets to the house. She runs upstairs, and we see this bizarre room with like some naked light bulbs without any shade on them and a couple of worn rotting chairs and there's in the chairs are the desiccated bodies of this elderly couple and it's just really disgusting weird yeah at this point we've already dealt with the hitchhiker we've dealt now with leatherface murdering a bunch of people and all the weird shit going on with the bones being made into furniture and all these animals and all this shit and now we have these dried up old bodies up in the attic or up in some room sitting in these chairs it's just level upon level of horror and oddity you know what i mean it just keeps adding like another thing and you're just like what the fuck the life that these guys are leading at this house is why even live yeah doesn't even seem worth it leatherface like a complete lunatic just cuts his way into his own house yeah which is just so weird it feels like they have choices of where they want to live i mean just in various houses of disrepair yeah sally runs down the stairs but then has to turn around when leatherface breaks through runs back up the stairs she escapes by jumping through a second story window which i kind of have dubbed her signature move just jumping out windows it's pretty cool Although, it's a real near miss with those cement steps. That's true, yeah. He just, like, lands right next to them. <laughs> but yeah, I guess, this... like, what are you going to do? Just take a chance out the window or face this guy with a chainsaw who's killed all your friends? Yeah, I'd certainly jump through the window. I, I would be like, even if I die doing this, it seems better than that chainsaw. So her legs are kind of, like, fucked up now, so she's running even slower. Wow. But she's chased all the way Everyone back. Everyone's just, like, laughing at how slow she is at this point. <laughs> she's chased all the way back to the gas station where it feels like a hike yeah it's kind of hard to say yeah that's five clicks sally collapses through the door and suddenly it's like she's in just another world when she falls through the door leatherface seemingly just vanishes she's safe this guy this proprietor of the gas station is just there to help everything seems like okay what what was going on i don't know i was in another world and now i'm here and everything seems safe again there's no phone at the gas station. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't know if that's true. I can buy it, obviously, because it's, just, it's in a really rural area in the 70s, so you're kind of like, okay. But he could also be lying, I guess. Yeah, which I do like when um, he's going to like check outside to see if there's anybody out there. Yeah. Because he just leaves the door open. Okay, so then he's like, we'll get the truck and we'll drive to Childress, which I don't know what that is. I guess it's like a nearby town or something. And yeah, when he goes to get the truck, he just leaves that door open, which I think is like a brilliant choice to add some fear and some True. tension into the scene. it just feels creepy. She's just sitting there and looking at the open door and you're like, oh God, Leatherface is going to come back. But they do that shot on the barbecue meat being cooked there. What do you think the implication is? So is that, Pam? They got barbecue... F- the first time around because then they're eating it when they leave the gas station yeah and heading over to the homestead so they're eating human meat right i think that's the case yeah Yeah. that's what i would assume i just wish there was like maybe a little bit of a bigger they really like lead you to the water on it all yeah i mean yeah i get like you don't always need to but in a movie like this yeah everything's very in your face like i kind of wanted that definitive thing because you have to almost pay super close attention to even hear the part where they're like all right let's get some barbecue and then notice that they're all eating food all of a sudden 
you definitely have to pay attention to this. True. this is not yeah. e- none of these things are ever really that in your face. What do you think about the reveal here with the gas station guy? Does it happen too soon? Should he wait till he gets her into the truck? Yeah, I mean, maybe he's showing his hand too quickly. Yeah, I just yeah. feel like it's kind of a weird move here. I so guess he- they're not really afraid that she's going to get away, though. No, but it just seems like it would be easier to deal with. True. So he comes back in, and he's got this burlap sack and a rope. <laughs> and she starts like, panicking. Oh boy, this guy is not my friend. And he like wants to tie her up into the rope, and he's like telling her to calm down, that she's not going to be hurt or whatever. And yeah. She grabs the knife, and so he grabs a broom, and so it's broom versus blade. Okay, this is the second moment. Yeah, do you ever get the gist that he's afraid at all of her with a knife? No, but this little moment here, like the three of them just walking into the house with, you know, no answer, also strains credibility for me. So he knocks the knife out of her hand with the bristles end of a broom. I mean, I get that Sally is a chick, but I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. She's not holding on to the knife hard enough. Where the bristle end of the broom is going to not knock. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. So then true. he basically just hits her in the face with the bristle ends of the broom again. I know. And she's like panicking and falling down. She's really letting that affect her a little too much, it seems like. And then he knocks her unconscious with the handle end of the broom, which granted would hurt if you hit somebody in the head with it, but you he's not really it... swinging that hard. <laughs> and all of a sudden she's unconscious. Result in a KO? No. <laughs> He hits her like twice yeah. in the face with it. It's, it's She's unconscious. Okay, I will whatever. say, you know, I've been a pretty big Sally fan through most of this movie. I think she's pretty resilient, but yeah, not a great showing by her in this scene. Well, this is what I mean, where they could have set this scene up differently, where the reveal comes later so that you don't need this weird True. fight scene that doesn't make any sense. That's a good point. On the way back to the house, they come across the hitchhiker now, and oh, he's no. arriving home too. And so now we learn that they're all related. The hitchhiker, the gas station guy, and Leatherface. Now, what do you think their relationship is? I don't know. I guess, I mean, it's all dudes. So I I thought that the guy that they'll bring down later is Grandpa. Yeah. That the gas station guy is the dad. Dad. And and then Leatherface and... Uh, Are brothers. And the hitchhiker are brothers. But I guess what it really is, is gas station guy is the oldest brother. Okay. And Leatherface the and three are brothers. Hitchhiker are also brothers. I see. But they call the other guy Grandpa, so who's the dad? I don't know. Then it led me to think, well, could it be possible that Gas Station Guy is their dad and their brother? If you oh, know what I wow. Mean. Yeah, I think I can figure that out. Shades of the X-Files episode we did That's way true. back in 2016, Home. Home. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Because they this do This part of Texas, I'll believe it. That... I think they do say that inbreeding is a part of it in other I, I think entries into the series. Yeah. So I don't know. It just seems weird, especially the way that he treats the other two. He doesn't really act like their brother. Yeah. And I, they seem like kind of afraid of him. I was picturing him as a paternal figure. Yeah, I don't know. It's never really revealed, though, in this movie, which I think is great because I love having just so many unanswered questions about all of it. Yeah. It just makes it so much weirder. But I'm going to start referring to this guy as the cook or the old man now, which are the two names he's known by. At this point, he was just kind of gas station guy or gas station proprietor. This is when we find out about the graveyard where he's like yelling at the hitchhiker guy. Yeah. Like, you idiot. (laughs) You're going to get caught. Yeah, I mean, it does (laughs) seem like. And so you find out he was just being an asshole. And this has no real connection to what they're doing. In fact, it's drawing attention to them. Yeah. So, like, why are you doing this? Right. I mean, it does feel like a risky move. I mean, 
it's something that certainly is going to launch an investigation, right? You would think. Leatherface has a different mask and wig. He's kind of dressed like a woman, which <laughs> just adds a whole other level to the Leatherface character. I love like how he just changes outfits and masks and wigs and stuff. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. I was wondering, though, I, I understand that Leatherface is like the brother and related to all these people, but wouldn't you feel like this guy could just go off at any time and you're not necessarily safe? Are you by- referring to the way that the the cook treats Leatherface? Yeah. Yeah. It is strange, but it, it adds this level of dark comedy to it. Like I said, I think that's further explored in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, but like, sure. it is almost like this warped parody of the american family because now you're just like what the fuck is going on the three of them are running around sally is screaming they're tying her to a chair or whatever right he's basically just berating the two of them like they're just idiot kids yeah i I, even though they're stone cold murderers i mean i alluded to it earlier i mean with this whole like this family dynamic and what they do with this movie but this whole like dinner scene sequence it's just something so unexpected from where we were i think like we to a certain degree get the leatherface character and there's a lot of uniqueness to how the deaths play out but it has shades of just slasher but this idea has taken us to like a whole other level of disturbing yeah it introduces a more like i would say a richer mythology than like your typical slasher movie because Sure, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, is the prototype for slashers. So many of the slasher movies would be influenced by it. However, even ones like Nightmare on Elm Street that really try to build up a whole story and a mythology, it all kind of pales in comparison to what they're shooting for in this sequence because it's just such a... There's something a about dark history alluded to here. Yeah, exactly. And there's something about having like the Leatherface character who fits that model of just being a classic slasher character. But then it's like you meet his family, and it's like it's almost like he's not even the worst one. He might be the worst one, but yeah, he's the, he's definitely not in charge. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And he kind of kowtows to the others. The fans. They yell at him, yeah. and he get he runs away. Right. <laughs> Making his noises. Yeah, and it's almost like he becomes, uh, if if we can get into traditional gender roles here for a second, it's almost like he becomes the housewife yeah, true. because he's serving the food with the dress and on and like the <laughs> wig and everything. It's so bizarre. Well, yeah. So they have Sally tied to a chair. They go get Grandpa from upstairs. This is like a whole other level of weird. Oh, yeah. They cut Sally's finger and stick it into the old monster's mouth and this is where you first learn that grandpa's still alive because he's sucking i know well that's the thing you you definitely think that this is just like a corpse that they're yeah and the the grandmother the female one was way dead sure you could see like her skull and everything this is just a heavily makeuped guy who's actually like a young man in real life he's still alive but yeah how um gross is this just the sucking noises oh yeah yeah because Again, like I said, when we first saw the two old bodies up in the attic, it's just level upon level. And now it's like well, a whole other thing. You You're know like, what? I was... I was afraid of a chainsaw. Now we got this fucking weird thing. Exactly. Going on. And when I saw this guy and you realize he's alive, it made me think of that scene in Seven where you think that that body's <laughs> dead and it just starts coughing. How well do you think they're taking care of this old guy if he looks like this and he's just sitting up there in a room? It seems like he's barely clinging to life. I don't know. Every once in a while, they're bringing like a Sally for him to enjoy, I guess. Yeah, but not in the way that you would think. No. 
the chair that Sally's attached to, you can see that there's like actual cut off human arms nailed to the arms of the chair. Yeah, so we're getting to like and they're not rotting. outrageous levels. So you're at like, this did point. they just take Pam's arms or something and nail them to the chair or something? Where did those arms come from? They look fresh, real creepy. Uh, yeah, I didn't notice how fresh the arms looked. <laughs> well, they weren't bones in other words. Yeah, that's they a good were point. arms yeah. with flesh on them. Sally passes out for a while, unclear for how long. Later, just more screaming, more begging, more pleading. Although this does get your wheel spinning a little bit because, it, okay, so they had a group of five. Four, they were just like, let's just outright murder as quickly as possible. Well, yeah. I guess they put they did put Pam in the freezer. But uh-huh. like, what about Sally is it that they need to parade her through this whole exercise? Well, according to the cook, he would like them to kill her now. He keeps saying, what are we doing? Yeah. Just kill her. And it almost is like him and the hitchhiker guy are butting heads over this. Sure. It's almost like a matter of principle. The cook says he takes no pleasure in killing. He just... It's is hungry. Yeah, he just sees it as something that has to be done. Doesn't mean he has to like it. Right. In other words, they're so resigned to this lifestyle that it's just the way of life. And killing is just a byproduct of it. And you could either like it or not like it. It doesn't matter because the end result is they needed to eat human flesh for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe they can't afford anything else. You can make them stop. No, you can't. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Can't be helped, young lady. Oh, please. Shut up. You can't let them kill me. I some arguments between the members of this fucked up family but a lot of laughs as well <laughs> just it's like the enjoyable conversation any other family dinner. yeah <laughs> there's some arguments and there's a lot of laughs the hitchhiker's like let's let grandpa have this one supposedly grandpa was the best killer in the old slaughterhouse could kill the cows with one lick could kill 60 in five minutes and could have done more if they would have gotten the other ones out of the way. So let's let him do it. Employee of the month several times. So they untie Sally and bring her over to Grandpa, except Grandpa, is, he might be alive, but he's too weak and he keeps dropping the hammer. Oh, no. This is and just they keep sad trying to, to put watch. it in his hand. Yeah. And he, <laughs> yeah. There's a bit of a struggle and Sally manages to escape. 
and jump through another window. This time, like at I least, said, it's on the first floor. Yeah. Although it feels like it's got to be like hard to take at a certain point. Like, how many more windows can I go through? Yeah, well, I mean, come on. Yeah. A lot of adrenaline. That's true. When she gets out of this whole ordeal and she survives and she finally gets back home, she gets mailed a bill for the two broken windows <laughs> with a note that says, like, okay, yeah, we were going to kill you, but you fair mean, is fair. Yeah, you did seriously. break two of our windows. <laughs> She flees out to the road. She's chased by Leatherface and the Hitchhiker. Another suspension of disbelief moment, which we referenced already. Yeah, I mean, it feels like the Hitchhiker is closing on her very early into this chase. Yeah, and, and she had a goes... huge head start, too. But oh, I like, know. She is really selling the leg injuries, which is fine, which well, makes yeah. sense. But... but at a certain point, it's hard to believe that the Hitchhiker hasn't caught her. Yeah, there's such a noticeable speed disparity that... it. It's kind of hard to so believe. So then, like, it feels like that actor's overselling it and just, like, dogging it all of a sudden, you know? Yeah, I guess you could make the argument that they don't sense there's any way that she's going to escape, so it's kind of like a game they're okay. just playing. Yeah, and then at some point he starts, like, making, like, slashing motions at her. Yeah, he does kind of, like, like, slash at her. I'm not sure if he's, like, cutting her back. I mean, her shirt was already, like, completely ripped up the back. Sure. I don't know what he's doing. But they make it into the road, and... <laughs> The hitchhiker is hilariously killed by an oncoming truck. Just yeah. a brutal <laughs> run over. I know. I was actually thinking of Pet Cemetery when this happened. Just like a giant, tr- like they live off the road. This giant truck just demolishing him. Oh, you mean like how in the new Pet Cemetery when that giant truck hits that little girl and she just looks like she's asleep? Yeah. <laughs> no, there's no damage. Right. The truck driver stops to help. I like when he gets out and he sees like Sally running around the corner of the truck and he's like, approaching her like hey what's going on and then leatherface comes around the corner and he just runs right back yeah, in the truck he's like <laughs> fuck that right this is probably the best leatherface look he's got that suit and tie yeah absolutely but, but he's also still got like the female looking True. mask on yep very crazy look leatherface attacks the truck the truck driver and sally hop out the other side i know it feels like there was an opportunity to drive off here maybe yeah, you would think. And they kind of blew that. On his way out, the truck driver grabs a wrench. Leatherface starts chasing them around. Truck driver stops and just throws the wrench right into Leatherface's face, knocking him down, and then he cuts himself with his own chainsaw. Yeah, not a great moment for Leatherface. Yeah, a little self-inflicted yeah. chainsaw injury here. Right. Cuts into his own leg. The truck driver just continues to run, seemingly forever, I guess. That's what I would direction. do. Yeah. Well, he's a big fat guy, so I don't know. It seems like he's going to have to, I don't know. It like, feels like he would have been better off making his way back to the truck. Yeah, like where is he going to go? I mean, yeah, it feels like he might not Make survive yeah. after this movie right. ends. <laughs> where is he going? Although not from anything to do with this family. He just has a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the weather report was on when Sally was back in the gas station when that guy goes and gets the truck. He literally says on the radio, like, the low tonight will be 81 or something. I mean, it was like in the 80s at night. Yeah, that sucks. The humidity was like 98 or something. It's it just like insane. his shirt just like drenched in sweat. As the truck driver runs away, another pickup truck comes along and manages to save Sally right in the nick of time as Leatherface was about to get her. And these last shots are ju- are just some of the most memorable, recognizable, iconic horror images 
We have Sally blood soaked and screaming, which eventually turns into like maniacal laughing. I know. In the bed of the pickup. It's a great shot. That looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then Leatherface just flailing wildly in the I guess yellow sun, which it's yeah. it's hard to say what's going on because throwing a temper tantrum? Well, no. I mean, is the sun rising or setting? Oh, true. It seems okay. like it should be rising because it was night and then she wakes up and then she jumps out the window and then it's daylight. So it seems like the sun is just coming up, but this does look like the sun setting. It does. It looks awesome either way, but yeah. it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, he's just doing some weird dance with the chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know what he's doing. I don't know where they came up with that as something to do, but it looks awesome. It does. Even if it doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah. And then it just abruptly cuts off in the middle of it, which I think is so cool, too. Yeah, the ending of this movie is awesome. He's just wildly in the middle of the road in that insane getup flailing this chainsaw around and then it just cuts off abruptly but it is interesting that she escaped because you are like so is this family gonna get caught well i think some of that is addressed in the sequel and then yeah. in some of the other variations of the movie i think it's kind of like the rob zombie stuff where they always somehow manage to keep it going in one way or another that 2003 texas chainsaw massacre might be of the better like remake reboot <laughs> movies in general are we gonna have another discussion on that did we bring that up before yeah during the friday the 13th thing we were talking about which ones were good oh and yeah which were the best <laughs> ones or whatever no i mean the best okay, of all well, time are, are ones that you don't even think of as remakes, sure. like the thing and the fly right and stuff like that but as far as like the modern remakes yeah texas chainsaw massacre th- with jessica beale is definitely one of the better ones okay which is surprising because you wouldn't really think that because they don't really even attempt to capture the same look and feel. It's much slicker. Yeah. And yet that turns well, out to I be loved, a good idea. And I loved the whole angle of having the dude from Full Metal Jacket having a cop outfit in the cop car and everything. They take it to the next level. Like even more people yeah. are involved because there's like that fat woman in the trailer. True. And all that stuff. They all seem to know about it. It's like right. all, it's a much bigger feeling thing. But I, I'm good now. I mean, I don't really think they need to do any more. I, I didn't see the newest Leatherface, which came out like a year or two ago. It was like a straight-to-VOD thing. If you're at that point with a franchise that at one time was considered one of the biggest, most important horror things, and you're doing like straight-to-VOD sequels, same could be said probably for like Hellraiser and stuff like that, too. It's just, don't. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> yeah. what are we doing here? If you can't get theatrical releases, it's kind of really embarrassing to keep going i think but you know they're not alone there's a lot of other franchises that i think just need to be ended and for whatever reason we keep redoing them and bringing them back because we've run out of original ideas or or whatever but this original is a classic its influence yeah it's an awesome literally cannot be overstated yeah what are you doing what what vincent stopped making picks how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. All right, so that'll do it for the horror. Let's talk recommendations. Do you have any? I have sort of a half-hearted one. <laughs> Aren't all of yours half-hearted? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a movie that's certainly not great, but I was kind of enjoying it. I was watching it on Netflix the other day. It was called Under the Eiffel Tower, and it had Matt Walsh and then another dude from Veep, I can't remember the actor's name, but he plays Dan Egan. Okay. And he's kind of playing like a, a foreign guy, and the accent that he's doing is not great. But okay. 
<laughs> it's so, so far, this sounds incredible. I don't know, man. I, I, I was finding myself just enjoying it, though. It's this crazy premise. Like, Matt Walsh plays, like, the typical Matt Walsh-type character, which I enjoy him. Is this a exclusive to Netflix thing? I don't think so. It's called Under the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Never even heard of it. Yeah, well, it's certainly, like, a small... Very small. I mean, I, less than a million dollar budget. I mean, but I will give you, I'll give you credit. You are more willing to just try different things. I, I yeah. am so picky now when it comes most, to turning something on. Most of the time, it's bad. But I, I was enjoying that. Like two people from Veep were in it because I love Veep. <laughs> wow, just um, a real low standard at this point. The premise is insane. I mean, the guy he's just like this middle aged down on his luck whatever but he like tries to propose to like his friend's daughter who's like 25 (laughs) and it like is it like blame it on rio it has shades of blame it on rio (laughs) but that's like not even really the premise that's just like something that he did that was like so horrible and humiliating (laughs) it has a lot of like the classic midlife crisis tropes but (laughs) i think it's shot pretty cool there's some nice shots of europe in it and uh (laughs) oh my god I don't know. I, I was I found myself kind of enjoying it, even though I, I would not say it's a great movie. All right. I'm going to give three recommendations, all semi-obscure 80s horror movies. So we're in the Halloween season now. It's really ramping up. Halloween's right around the corner, probably from when we released this episode. If you're thinking, hey, I want something new, something I haven't seen. Now, if you're like super hardcore horror people listening to this, I'm sure you know these movies. Not really blowing your mind but for our regular listeners who aren't as into this stuff here's some things you could try out i went with the theme of 80s and slightly off the beaten path so the first one will be directed by toby hooper i think you've definitely seen the first two of these movies because i've shown you them the first one is life force yes the toby hooper movie from 1985 i will say that you can watch it for free on a streaming service called pluto tv don't know what that is but it's on roku never heard of it you can also life force though rent it on voodoo and there's a scream factory blu-ray some of the greatest nudity of all time i'll say it i'm not afraid to say it well basically the nudity is off the charts in this movie the actress i mean the character is an alien yeah, exactly. she's like, I think one of the alternate titles is like Space Vampires or something. But I mean, she's just like nude for like an extended Yeah, like the time. first 20 minutes right. or so. Yeah, it's this weird space zombie vampire movie where they suck the life out of people and it looks yeah. really odd. And the effects are kind of cool, even though they're outdated. They, they just look very unique. And it's an interesting movie. And since it was directed by Toby Hooper, I thought I would recommend it. It's one of his lesser-known ones. It's not quite on the level of Texas Chainsaw or Poltergeist. My second recommendation from 1986, a movie called Vamp, directed by Richard Wenk, who now writes scripts for like huge movies like Equalizer and Equalizer 2 and all kinds of like (laughs) Denzel movies. I don't know. He like wrote a bunch of scripts for like big-time action movies, and he directed this little vampire movie from 86. Yeah. Stars D.D. Pfeiffer, Michelle Pfeiffer's sister. Right. It's just a weird, goofy little vampire movie from the 80s that I think is kind of fun. Okay. And you can rent that on Vudu. I think you can rent it on Prime or there is an Arrow Blu-ray. So I don't think that one's free anywhere, but it is out there. And then Chopping Mall (laughs) from 1986 by Jim Wynorski. I have not seen this one. Right. This one you can watch for free on Shudder, Pluto TV, 
Tubi or Amazon Prime, or there's the Vestron Video Blu-ray. Another really weird 80s horror movie where they're locked in a mall overnight, and there's like these robots that kill people. Okay. I don't even know how to explain it. It's Two things that we bizarre. really like, uh, horror movies and malls. And there's a shot where like a laser from a robot blows up a guy's head. So you just see like a head explode. Very weird. It's I'm sold. I would say Vamp and Chopping Mall are a little bit in the comedic realm. There, okay. I mean, there's definitely stuff that's so over the top it's supposed to be funny. Life Force is a little more straightforward, but Vamp and Chopping Mall are kind of funny as well. So there's three lesser-known 80s horror movies to check out if you yeah. get a chance. And I think that'll do it for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't really know what else we could possibly say. No, I think we covered it. So follow the show on Twitter, at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean. Just another reminder that after our Halloween episode, we will be taking a couple weeks off. We'll be back at it by the end of November. We'll see you next time. Well, he went down to dinner in his Sunday best. Excitable boy, they all said. And he propped the pot roast all over his chest. Excitable boy, they all said. Well, he's just an excitable boy. In the 4 a.m. show at the Clark Excitable boy, they all said And it bit the usherette's leg in the dark Excitable boy, they all said Well, he's just an excitable boy of people, everyone watching, don't you understand that? If, if well, say it's a bomb, then say, say whatever you want, say whatever you like, just get it off the air. Please, you just, I, no, no, I can't prove it, you've got to believe me, believe me, take it off the air now, please, you've got to, it means, Tuesday interruption, we're having technical problems. Please stand by.
It's time. It's time. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Dark masks, gather round your TV set. Put on your masks and watch. All witches, all skeletons, all jack-o'-lanterns. The third gather commercial, it's still on, please. Watch Take off the third channel, again. the third channel. It's still running. Stop it, please. For God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to... Please, stop it. Stop it now. Turn it off. Turn it off. Stop it. 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 Stop it.